the show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And it's Friday. Welcome to this beautiful Friday afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation here on the Mike Douglas Show. Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Weekdays, so much to look forward to this time with you as we can wrestle down the issues of the day that affect you and me and talk about them reasonably, rationally, and respectfully. Always appreciate your input. Uh, as uh, as we begin today, I looked forward this morning, uh, by the way, Fridays we can relax a little bit, and so I, I typically try to keep a light schedule in the morning, had great plans to go out with Mr. John Deere and attack the titanium weeds that are pervasive on the property upon which I reside at the moment. And uh, Mr. John Deere and I went out there, Uh, Mr. John Deere apparently has sprung another oil leak unrelated to the valve covers, which I have now um, hopefully expertly sealed. No, there's another oil leak. We can live with that. Uh, But what happened today was I spent more time under the rider mower than on top of it. Well, that didn't sound right, did it? I probably probably should explain that. The uh, the belt haven't happened ha- haven't had this happen before, but the uh, mower belt uh, that that drives the blades and stuff that attack the titanium weeds, that belt must have loosened or something. It fell off three times. Never had that happen before. But as I recall, that belt I got was a, a third party belt, and you know you get what you pay for. I have found when it comes to parts for machinery. Oftentimes, it's best to spend a little extra money and get the parts that actually fit. So uh, today uh, was uh, somewhat disappointing. I love to get outside with John Deere and Mo. It, it's, it gives me time to pray. It gives me time to think about things. And there's instant gratification. As you look behind you, you see instant results. The titanium weeds have been attacked. Uh, normally, they're laying flat, and, and you, you get that instantaneous gratification uh, for something that you have done productive, and you see the results immediately. Well, today was a little frustrating in that, in that way, so I'll have to uh, John Deere another day after we get new belts and try to figure out where that uh, where that oil leak is. So, uh, looking ahead, a beautiful day today. Maybe rainy tomorrow from what I hear, and that'll be interesting because I have a, a graveside service to officiate tomorrow about the time when the rain is supposed to hit. Been there, done that. Uh, doesn't bother me a bit, and uh, we shall persevere and push through it. Looking, uh, as you know, many times uh, I bring up, often I bring up, the need to be active in terms of local politics. 
And when I say that, I'm talking about at at the level that you are passionate about and comfortable with and abil- and able to do. At the very least, to pay attention very carefully to local uh, con- contests, local races, uh, to see who is uh, running and what their qualifications are. We look at uh, Chase Bodine, for example, in San Francisco. The... Uh, as the DA there, uh, apparently there's uh, the, the, the recall effort there is gaining some steam. Uh, those uh, folks that are doing the recall held their own survey, and a majority of people uh, approve of that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always wary of that, though, regardless of uh, which side we're looking on. Uh, you have to remember that whoever is doing a survey usually has a perspective, and uh, and so, but I think it is indicative of the fact that uh, that folks are just about done with his style of uh, DAing in San Francisco. Well, coming up in, uh, and we're going to turn our eyes towards Stanislaus County right now, and of course uh, we'll be looking at many other counties, at least six other counties in our uh, radio signal footprint. Many of you in other counties have uh, races coming up as well, and we'll be taking a look at those uh, too. But uh, some interesting facts have just emerged here in Stanislaus County, where our clandestine Mike Douglas Show studio is uh, is located. Very uh, interesting that uh, the offices for district attorney and sheriff are uncontested. I don't know how long it's been, uh, since that uh, has has happened, uh, not in my memory, but sometimes my synapses don't fire quite as uh, wonderfully as they should. But uh, this hitting the uh, the Modesto B uh, today, Jeff Laguero, um, and I may have mispronounced his name. My apologies if I did. Jeff Laguero, uh, Stanislaus County Chief Deputy District Attorney, is unopposed as he now has filed to seek the office of district attorney. As you know, as we've reported, uh, the current district attorney in uh, Stanislaus County, whom I think has done a a great job, Birgit Flatiger, has uh, chosen to retire. Her term is going to expire at the end of 2022. And so Mr. Uh, Laguero, as a chief deputy district attorney, apparently is running uncontested. Uh, he's uh, apparently a let's see a resident of Escalon, has been mayor of Escalon, and uh, has uh, been on the city council of Escalon as well, but resigned to move to Stanislaus County to run for district attorney. No one else stepped up for stepped up to run for DA in Stanislaus County uh, for the June seven primary. That's uh, that's very interesting to me. Uh, and also there are, there are a couple other races that we'll keep our eyes on as well. Uh, two county supervisorial races will be on the June ballot. Uh, Supervisor Manny Grewal will compete with Joel DeGraff, uh, who owns a small business for district number four. That includes a lot of Modesto, part of series and a little bit of Del Rio. And then the current chair of the Stanislaus County Board of Supervisors. Terry Withrow is being challenged by Modesto Councilman Tony Madrigal in District 3. 
And uh, District 3 includes uh, the west part of Modesto, parts of Salida, and, and the Wood Colony area. And what is uh, also interesting to me is there are six other county offices that are uncontested. Yeah. Uh, Sheriff, Sheriff Jeff, uh, Jeff Dirksy, is, uh, he has no opposition as he uh, runs again for sheriff. Uh, county superintendent of schools, uncontested. Treasurer, tax collector as well. Clerk, recorder, assessor, and auditor, controller, all uncontested. And uh, the seven judges who currently serve on the bench of Stanislaus Superior Court are also unopposed as well. I find that fascinating, especially with the DA and with the sheriff as well. Now, I will say, and I've never worked in a DA's office. I've worked in law enforcement, so I'm a little more familiar with that. I give great credit to uh, men and women who desire to be police chiefs and sheriffs. The, the regulations, the pressures, uh, the demands, the criticisms that are foisted upon them all the time are, are I think, I'm sure burdensome. And I don't know that I'd want the job. I, I remember in, in my law enforcement days, uh, a lot of guys were, were just content in being patrol, guys and gals being patrol officers. In fact, oftentimes they made more money that way because when you start to get rank, when you get some stripes or bars, oftentimes you don't get overtime uh, anymore. And so there's a monetary issue, but also uh, a lot of them said, I don't want the headaches. I don't want the worries of of rank. And so I I admire those who uh, would like to be a district attorney uh, or a sheriff or a police chief. I, I admire the chutzpah involved in that because it really is a sobering job and I'm sure it uh, it takes over uh, much of your life. And again, uh, it, it's not all a walk through the park and tiptoeing through the tulips. Uh, a lot of, a lot of opposition, a lot of criticism and burdensome regulations all the time coming from the state and uh, so anyway, I, I guess congratulations uh, are in order for Jeff Leggero, who will be running unopposed as Stanislaus County's district attorney come June, and also to Sheriff Jeff Dirksy as well, who is running unopposed. And by the way, the sheriff will be joining us uh, towards the end of the month. I want to talk to him about the, uh, we'll call it the state of law enforcement uh, for the county, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be looking forward to that chat again. That'll be uh, towards the end of the month. Always look forward to uh, talking with Sheriff Dirksy. Very straightforward, uh, very bold, and uh, no nonsense. Gives you the straight scoop, and uh, look forward to that. So as uh, as we're looking at other uh, issues as well, uh, just very briefly, uh, the TSA has extended its mask mandate. It was going to expire today. Uh, in fact, our assistant producer and uh, the director of operations for Advancing Vibrant Communities is currently in North Carolina with family. She's going to be dry, uh, flying back shortly. Uh, well, 
if uh, we were kind of hoping that uh, the mask mandate might be lifted, but as you know, there was a uh, there was an effort to do that in Washington D.C. Even eight uh, Senate Democrats voted with Republicans to undo the extension, but it uh, failed, and the TSA has extended the mask mandate on airlines for and public transportation for another month. Wonderful. Can't wait for that next trip on public transportation. And again, it's not just that we're tired of the masks, but I think there's enough evidence now about the efficacy and such to to say it's time two years into this to uh, to let it go. All right, well, uh, coming back, we're going to be uh, talking. I, I want to bring this up to you. I, this is one of those, you know, Fridays we catch up on things. We haven't uh, gotten to the, the the rest of the week, what we weren't able to get to. And I want to talk about this whole issue of Leah Thomas. This is the transgender uh, guy who now wants to be a gal, and uh, he is setting all kinds of records in swimming against females. I I want to talk about that with you a bit and also play a, a comment from one of the females that he was swimming against. You notice I said he? That's right. I don't mind if he thinks he's a she. That's fine. But uh, to, to victimize these other female la- athletes, I think, is a not-so-good thing. We'll talk about that coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show on this beautiful Friday afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation. And the conversation right now turning uh, to swimming. And things not exactly going swimmingly well at Virginia Tech. And just to bring you up to speed, I'm I'm sure that many of you are familiar with the story. Uh, Leah Thomas, who is a uh, transgender swimmer, uh, a guy who uh, now wants to be a gal, uh, was favored to win a race. He's, he's swimming against other females because he now identifies as a, as a as a female, setting all kinds of records, winning all kinds of races, and a lot of uh, angst about a biological male uh, competing with biological females. So yesterday, he won a race, uh, the fastest time in the NCAA this season, 11th fastest time in NCAA history and 16th fastest time ever. And so there's uh, the second place finisher was named Emma Wyant of the University of Virginia. And uh, she would have won. She's only a freshman and she clocked a career best time in the 500 yard freestyle, but wasn't fast enough to beat uh, the biological male Thomas. Uh, who beat her by almost two seconds and more than a full biological male body length versus a biological female body length. And uh, by the way, Wayant, who came in second, won the silver medal in the 400-meter individual medley at the 2020 Olympic Games. Uh, They know long before Thomas was making national headlines. So a uh, Virginia Tech swimmer, 
was interviewed yesterday after Leah Thomas won the women's 500-yard freestyle. And the swimmer uh, was not identified. Her interview has been posted on YouTube. But I noticed she she wore a, a light coat, and there was a patch on it. So I zoomed in, and that patch reads, Say no to males competing as females. Say no to males competing as females. Now, uh, this unidentified swimmer apparently is is one of them that um, he, she, uh, Leah Thomas was competing against. And this is, again, I think, causing some justified angst amongst the competing females. Here's what she had to say following the race. We are all very disappointed and frustrated with someone who is, has capabilities more than us women have to be able to compete at this level and take opportunities away from other women. Like I have a teammate who did not make finals today because she was just bumped out of finals. And it's heartbreaking to see someone who went through puberty as a male and has the body of a male be able to absolutely blow away the competition. And you go into it with a mindset that you, are, you don't have a chance if that makes sense. Like, it's hard to compete against someone with the aerobic capacity, the muscle development, the body of a man. It's hard. It's hard to think about it like that. And staying positive, I bet, for other swimmers who are in that uh, heat is probably overwhelming. I'm not sure. I can't speak for them. But it's disappointing to see and frustrating, definitely. There are always unintended consequences, almost always unintended consequences from any decision. And when we violate uh, logic, there are usually bad consequences. And I think the NCAA right now is facing the fact that they kicked a can down the road, uh, refusing to address it. And now it's in front of them. And, And basically, I think that if they continue to permit uh, transgender biological men who now feel that they are women, if they continue to let biological men compete against women, women's sports will be over. It'll be over. Why would you, as a female, want to compete against a biological male? Why would you even try? There are differences between males and females biologically. I mean, beyond the obvious things, bone structure, bone density, body mass, musculature. There are major differences, and they affect athleticism. Now, that said, we're talking about men and women that are at the top of their game. They train well. I would imagine probably... Any female swimmer in the United States of America could beat me in a race any day uh, with, uh, without even doing a warm-up. You know? So I, I understand some of us are not that athletic. But in, for, for men and women, when they are at the top of their athleticism, to force women to compete against biological males to me is abhorrent, and my... My prediction is that if the NCAA doesn't do something about it, uh, what we're going to see is the end of female college sports. 
really? Why, why, why would they compete? Why bother? We'll get your uh, sense of that coming up at 209-551-3483 in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here as your concierge for conversation as we take a look at the stories of the day that are impacting you and me and people around the country. One of those stories is this issue of this uh, transgender uh, swimmer, a biological male who uh, now wants to be a female, has taken the name Leah Thomas, blew away the competition yesterday in the uh, uh, 500-meter freestyle, and causing a, a lot of uh, criticism and, and a lot of tears, apparently, amongst uh, the uh, women are, who are competing against him. And my, my worry is that the NCAA's failure to deal with this in a logical way may ruin college women's sports. Let's see what you think. Our telephone number here, 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Greg from Riverbank, uh, you have uh, you have some thoughts about this. Yes, what I would really like to see is any NCAA-sanctioned event, I would like to see all the women get together, line up like they were going to race, and when the gun goes off, just turn around and walk away and leave him in there within the pool all by himself. Mm. And if they did that enough times, I think the the you know point would be made. I I like it, Greg. I like it, and I I don't know what else uh, what else to do really. I I don't think the no, NCAA I mean, is moving on this. The, the the women got to stop playing along, and make the point that they're not going to put up with it. Otherwise, it's just going to keep happening, and you're going to have more and more of it. There comes a point when you can't tolerate things or accept them. You have, you know, there's some things we shouldn't have to tolerate. Tolerance is not always the answer. No, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I think the other issue is, and it's something that I have, have long held to, and that is you need to, we need to stand up for what's true. And what's true is exactly. he's a biological male and uh, to, to put him up against biological females is illogical and highly unfair uh, to the competition. By the way, I think it was uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner thinks that Leah Thomas maybe took it a little easy uh, to not win by so much. Could have been worse. And then uh, here's an interesting note, uh, Greg. This is from uh, uh, Martina Navratilova. And uh, she has suggested that the solution, perhaps for now, is for Thomas to swim in another lane or you can compete, but you don't get the medal because the NCAA rules are correct or not correct. That's an interesting thing. You can compete, but you can't medal. 
And uh, she said, right now the rules are what they are. Maybe put an asterisk there if she starts breaking records left and right. When they compete but they don't get a medal, that's just the step. Yeah. You know, right below. And you know that always leads to, you know, so they just need to nip it in the bud right now. I. I'm with you, Greg. I'm with you on that. All righty. You, you have a good one, Mike. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Have a great weekend. Greg, appreciate you calling in. 209-551-3483. Talking about Leah Thomas, the transgender swimmer, the biological male who's blown away, blowing away the female competition and uh, the, the, the tears and the angst, the unfairness that that's creating. We're getting your comments at 209-551-3483. Let's go to Stanislaus County and Debbie. Debbie, what are your thoughts about this? Well, let's see what you think, okay? This is what I came up with. And by the way, I just walked in the house from being gone for three hours at the store. And then I heard you talk about this. This is a a simple, simple, simple way to handle it. Let the women keep their situation. Let the men keep their situation and then have a third situation that allows these people, trigenders, whatever you want to call these wonderful people, let them go in their own lane. And that way nobody competes unfairly. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, Debbie. And let's take that maybe a, a bit further. How about if we have transgender athletes only competing maybe we have a classification of transgender athletes and they just compete against themselves what what do you think about that that's correct that is absolutely positively correct and we've got to make that happen then everybody's happy yeah i uh kind of like that kind of like that debbie thanks for the call thanks for the idea thanks for the thought appreciate that i i just think that the ncaa is in a no-win situation here now. No, no pun intended. But um, I, I, you, you, what, what, what pains me about this is you look at these females right now that are losing out. They're losing out on medals. They're they're losing out on all-American status because one guy decides to be a gal, and the NCAA doesn't have the the wherewithal to stand up for what's true, that there are differences between males and females, and uh, and make some rulings that would make it fair. And I know, believe, believe me, fairness, our children, now adults in their mid to late 20s, grew up hearing me say, life's not fair. And so around our house, we didn't hear, that's not fair, because life's not fair, and you, you push through the challenges. Uh, however, in this particular situation, I'm, I'm taking fairness, I think, to a, a whole new level. It, it's not the, the uh, flippant comment, life's not fair, or it's not fair. Uh, this truly, it's, it goes, to me, it goes beyond unfairness. It goes to uh, being unjust. I, I think it goes to that degree, being unjust, where you cause female athletes to give up what they've trained for for their lifetimes, however long that's been in, in the college 
era. I just, I just don't understand the NCAA in that regard. No guts, obviously, and uh, and they're, they're they're too late for many of those women now. Those women who have been competing against Thomas Leah Thomas, they're they're done. Their scholastic, their their college records, their ability to win medals and attain All-American status, that's done. Thank you, NCAA, for ruining the lives of all these young women. And uh, Greg thought, good, good call. I like that idea that <clears throat> maybe the women need to get together when there are circumstances like this and get to the starting line and when... Uh, the gun goes off or whatever they use now, the tone, whatever it might be, that they all turn around and walk away. And uh, Leah Thomas can swim by him herself. And But, the, I, I mean, what, what's the difference? They're going, they're going to lose records anyway. They're going to lose the opportunity to set records to, to get the medals that they want. Uh, but I like Debbie's comment. As well, uh, I like that that extension that we talked about. Maybe we just have transgender competition, and we put them together. Let let all the transgender folks compete against each other, and let the men be men, the women be women, and those who want to compete in athletic trials and competitions, especially in the college framework let them compete against themselves they can have their own medals it doesn't have to be an asterisk in that in that scenario they they simply are known as this is the first place winner of the transgender class of swimmers or weightlifters or whatever it might be I, I just think the NCLA, uh, the NCAA, like a lot of government right now, is a day late and a dollar short. They're just not being proactive. They're not being even reactive, I think, at this point, taking, uh, taking a long time. Well, we'll continue the conversation about that, and I also want to stay within the realm of college uh, news. Did you hear about... the? <laughs> This room full of Yale Law students. And there was supposed to be a bipartisan panel on civil liberties. And more than a hundred Yale Law students created a disruption there so that free speech couldn't occur. And I'll tell you, beyond the issues of free speech... And the need to allow others to say what they need to say. There's also an issue here, as far as I'm concerned, about the future of law, considering these are law students. Before we get to that, let's take uh, another call uh, regarding uh, Leah Thomas and the whole transgender uh, competition. Uh, let's go to uh, John from Brentwood. John, what what's your proposal here? <laughs> Mike, my proposal is the NCAA just needs to nip it in the bud and and just end it. Let the person compete. They can't set any records. They they can't 
win any medals. They just compete and for the fun of it. Because they, I, I did hear people talking about it on a couple of sports talk shows. I don't know if it's gone as far as the NCAA or not, but setting up a certain league or you know division for transgender. But one, there are very few transgender athletes actually competing. And two, you'd have to have a transgender male-to-female division and a transgender female-to-male trans division. And then, then you have just more stuff that universities have to put in place. And what the, the NCAA just needs to get their cojones together and say, you know what, this is not fair. You know, you can, you can compete, you can swim, you can do whatever you need to do for whatever sport it is. But you 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 you're not going to be timed. You're not you know nothing counts, and that's that's the only way to do it. I think that's just. I think that's fair. Uh, and whether or not the NCAA will move on this anytime soon in an effective way, I don't know. Uh, they're not real famous for that. So, uh, John, I, I I agree with you. I like your idea. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, I, you know. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I do know of one or two transgender people that are great people that just were not comfortable with the way they were. And, but, you know, I think anybody should be able to do what they want to do and be what they want to be, but you can't take away from others in the process. I think that's the issue, John. That is the crux of the issue. And that is, we're not saying you can't be transgender. We're not saying that. Right. Go go ahead and do it. If that's what you feel you need to do, that's fine. Go ahead. And, but you are now affecting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other athletes. And that just isn't isn't right. So, yeah, John, great, great point exactly. there. I th- I, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Thank you, John. Appreciate your, your call. We'll talk about Yale in uh, three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. On Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. So happy to have you with us. Mike Douglas here is your concierge for conversation. Turning right now to another collegiate issue. We're going to go to Yale and uh, their law school. Uh, Apparently on March 10, there was a, a discussion scheduled uh, between uh, the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom and the American Humanist Association. And the event was held in hopes of showing how a liberal atheist and a conservative Christian could find ways to agree on some free speech issues. Well, apparently they got to uh, discussing some recent U.S. Supreme Court cases on that. And about 120 students showed up to protest. And they outnumbered the audience members, apparently. And they held up signs attacking the Alliance uh, uh, for Defending Freedom. And uh, law school professor Kate Stith was the moderator. Now, I watched a a video of this. I'm not going to play it because it's murky. And I don't think there's a point in playing murky audio on radio when you can't hear it. So, but anyway, I'll, I'll relate to you what happened. Uh, the, the professor, <clears throat> law school professor, the moderator, Kate Stith, paused the event 
because apparently one of the protesters told a member of the conservative group that she would literally fight you, female dog. I'm substituting that phrase there for the word that was actually used. Um, And uh, the moderator, the professor, told (coughs) the, uh, the protesters Look, there's, there's some free speech policies that Yale has, and it forbids protests that interferes with speakers' ability to be heard and community members to listen. Apparently, protesters didn't care. I would assume they are Yale students and uh, perhaps law students as well. So uh, eventually what had to happen was uh, police officers arrived to escort Escort uh, two of the debaters out uh, for security, and, and nobody's agreeing on who actually called the police. Um, but uh, there were some uh, students who attended the Federalist Society uh, that refused to allow to allow others to speak, and they acted in an aggressive and hostile manner uh, towards me, <clears throat> towards Professor Kate Stith and Monica Miller from the American Humanist Association, one of the participants said. So my question to you is this. First of all, if your kid was at Yale and uh, you are helping pay the freight, would you continue to pay the freight if they were one of the protesters? Would you send your child to Yale school at all, knowing that this type of thing is going on. Now understand, it is tough to get into Yale Law School. Uh, I, Ironically, they take the best of the best. My concern is, if, if this is the cream of the crop, what are we going to face in the future? These are going to be our future lawyers. They're going to be our future legislators, our future judges, our future presidents. What do you think? Is are, are you? This worries me a lot. And again, it seems that Yale was was caught by surprise, and. Uh, the, the problem with the way it was handled, and I, listen, I am not criticizing the poor professor. Uh, obviously, she was doing her best to be reasonable. She was doing her best to calm things down. I have no criticism of her whatsoever. I think she was in a horrible, put in a horrible position. But ultimately, I think the problem is Yale will probably do nothing about it my guess. And so it goes on and on that if you are a conservative, you are a target for being yelled at, for being protested about, which is fine. But there are rules at Yale regarding these debates, and those rules were broken. So my question is, are any of those protesters in the room? Now, they had cameras there, I'm sure they could identify who they are. Are they going to face any disciplinary action by Yale? Or is Yale just going to say, well, stop it, don't do it again, and uh, because we love your money and uh, we don't want to get the, uh, the left mad at us? 
I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm worried about the future of the country if we're looking at places like Yale and to have our leadership for the future. And, and these, this is the conduct, this is the worldview of those future leaders that despite the Constitution, despite the Bill of Rights, which if they are in Yale Law School, regardless if they're on defense or prosecution or whatever it might be, they are supposed to operate within the confines of the U.S. Constitution. Apparently, they don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the Bill of Rights. They don't care about the First Amendment. They don't want free speech. They only want their their speech. Does this worry you? 209-551-3483. We'll be back with the Mike Douglas Show in five minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on this beautiful Friday in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we take a look at more issues that uh, either inspire, confound, or somewhere in between us uh, as we as we wrestle them down here together to look at them rationally, reasonably, and respectfully. So much appreciate your participation in that and your your unique ideas that you bring uh, as far as uh, many of these subjects go. Our telephone number here, 209-551-3483. We were just before the top of the hour talking about this incident at Yale University. happened uh, back on March 10, where they had hoped to have a a debate, a, a rational, reasonable, and respectful debate like we do here, between two opposing views with the idea that a, um, a a liberal atheist and a conservative Christian could find common ground on free speech issues using uh, one or two Supreme Court cases as an example. I think that's wonderful. I applaud uh, the Yale professor for coming up with that. I, I think that's a wonderful pursuit. That's a good use of those young brains. And uh, what what happened was that uh, about 100 to 120 protesters uh, came into the auditorium with signs. They were extending their middle fingers at uh, the uh, conservative Christians uh, that were uh, debating and basically interfered with, uh, with the event. The poor professor there uh, she was doing her best to try to be gracious uh, but firm and saying, look, we have, we have rules here at Yale about these debates, and everyone gets their say. We, we need to allow these two groups to have their say. This is what the uh, free speech is all about, the marketplace of ideas. And that's one of the values of the university systems about college is it can teach you to think. Obviously, these protesters weren't thinking well. and But which brings me to a, another point, 
and again, I I don't know how you feel about it. I I hope Yale takes some disciplinary actions against those protesting students because if they don't, it it sets a precedent. It sets a precedent that oh, we, we can get away with this, and uh, we we know that the boundaries really aren't there. There are no lines in the sand, and uh, we can intimidate and bully people we don't like into silence and intimidate them out of the university system. And that's what it says. And so we'll see how Yale handles it, see what happens. But it brings me to another point as well. By the way, our phone number here, 209-551-3483. If you have some thoughts on how Yale ought to handle this situation with those protesters, 209-551-3483. In a broader perspective, and I've got advanced degrees. I've been to colleges, universities, and and cemeteries. I mean, uh, seminaries. And so, in in the process, I've been <laughs> I've been able to observe the value of college, university, seminary educations, and and there is value. But I will say this. I never got a job because of my degrees. Now, maybe they contributed to it, but I never really got a job because of my degrees. I uh, wound up going into law enforcement because what I saw in, uh, in my area of news reporting and journalism back in the late 1970s, early 1980s, even at that time, I saw journalism taking uh, a, a bad turn. Uh, taking a turn that I thought was very destructive. And it, I said to myself, this is not an industry that that I want to be in. So I went back to my roots in law enforcement. I had been a 14-year-old or 13-year-old uh, police explorer when Pasadena Police Department started its uh, program. And so I uh, I went back into law enforcement for a long time. But anyway, putting that aside... I believe the university system, the college system, can be very helpful in teaching you how to think, how to reason, and in some disciplines, especially when it comes to sciences, when it comes to medicine, when it comes to engineering, uh, very important to have that education. However, in terms of many of the liberal arts, I... um, I think a lot of those folks that come out of the liberal arts sections would have done better to go to trade school, to be honest with you. I think we need to elevate in our culture trade school with university educations. And I, I know growing up, got to get a college education. And I'm, I'm for college educations, but I also realize that it's not for everyone. And if someone is very good with their hands, if they're impatient in the classroom, uh, but they're good with their their hands and uh, they want to jump right into the workplace, how, how about a trade school? Can we elevate trade school to the same uh, to the same value? Yeah, see what you think. Well, let's talk about uh, what's happening at Yale. Your thoughts on uh, what the outcome should be? Our number here, area code two zero nine. Five five one three four eight three two zero nine five five one 
3483. Let's go to Ken in Modesto. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts about Yale? Hey, Mike. Um, to tell you the truth, I'm really tired of all these protests going down like that that are suppressing free speech. I was just wondering if the victims of these uh, supposed uh, protesters uh, could sue the protesters for civil rights violations. Uh, for uh, denying them their First Amendment to speak. Uh, I was just, you know, curious as to what your thought might be on that. I like that idea, Ken, actually. I really like that idea uh, because I think that, uh, and, and it, for goodness sakes, this is within the confines of the Yale Law School, right? So here's here's a practical <laughs> exercise how about suing for uh, federal uh, civil rights violations? In my opinion, yeah, man. they their their civil no, rights were violated by the protesters. That's the way I feel about it. It's not just one at Yale. There, there is a suppression of free speech all over. You go to you know Berkeley for one. Uh, they try to make it just as hard as they can to suppress free speech. But uh, you know it's. It's just gotten so far out of hand that, you know, it is time for somebody to step up, sue these people for civil rights violations, and at least get it up into federal court and see what they have to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Ken, I think if you you bring up a great point. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I, I would love to see that. I, and, and again, I think it's all about a practical lesson for everyone. Those who were on the, uh, you know, the 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 victimized end of the protest, as well as the protesters, that, you know, there is mm-hmm. a way to civilly uh, make your protest known. And violating, yeah. you know, the they're being educated about the rule of law, and these protesters basically uh, broke it. So I'm with you, Ken. I like your idea. I like your idea very much. Well, All, right. <laughs> All right. Have a great weekend, great Ken. Day. All right, no, you too. By the way, I appreciate your service in law enforcement. I really uh, do. Well, my, uh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Ken, have a great weekend. Thanks, uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, Bob, uh, sends me a message here. Remember the president of San Francisco state in the seventies, he kicked them all out. Yeah. Was that, um, man, is it S I Hayakawa? No. Was that his name? I'm going way back. And, and again, my synapses sometimes are a little rusty way back there, but yeah. How about the president of these, or the presidents of these universities saying, you're going to act like that. You're gone. You're, you don't, you don't, come here to learn anymore if you don't allow the other side to have their say and to have their learning experience. Is it all just a one-sided thing now in, in the in the university system, in the college systems? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I just think that, that Yale and, and other universities, uh, and Ken was bringing up, Yale's not the only one. I'm not picking on Yale. It just happens to be they had the most recent uh, dust-up uh, over all of this. But I, I think our universities need to, uh, administrations need to take a stand. Now, maybe they don't want to give up the money. And uh, as we know, oftentimes there are favored people uh, who bring money in, uh, who bring influence in, and they probably don't want to tread on them. But isn't this about 
lessons learned about life and having integrity and standing up for justice and righteousness. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, the conversation continues in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Yeah, welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. We've been talking about that incident at Yale University where protesters interrupted what would have been a highly interesting debate between a, uh, a very uh, a liberal uh, atheist and a conservative Christian. And, and the object of it was to talk about free speech issues and find if there was some common ground. And this is what we're lacking today. And I, in, in my world now, in, in my ministry world with that particular hat on, I call these areas of common grace areas of common grace, places where no matter who we are, what our worldview is, uh, what our perspectives are on life, that we can find some areas that we can agree on. And it is worthy for us to do that. Let's find some area, some area of common grace where we can uh, uh, agree on that, and then we can start to build at least some kind of relationship off of that, and in very uh, civil ways and uh, very respectful ways, deal with our issues. And, And once you find some of those areas of common ground or common grace, you find that you're able to develop relationships. In, in the nonprofit world, I live in a world that where a lot of the uh, CEOs, my, my compatriots, uh, believe we have perspectives that are way beyond where mine are, uh, 45 degrees away, if not 90 or 180. And that's, but we find areas of common interest, of common goals, areas that we're both concerned about. Uh, and let me just use a, a, a real example. Uh, in, uh, in West Modesto, uh, for a while, we were doing uh, graffiti wipeouts out there in the, in the gang areas with advancing vibrant communities. And we were working with uh, some community members uh, who may, probably wouldn't line up with a lot of our worldview, but we had a common concern, and that was getting the graffiti the it's actually gang tagging graffiti is actually artwork but the word in common use refers to both anyway to get the gang tagging off of the walls now why is it important to get the gang tagging off the walls it sends a message to the gangs that we uh we don't put up with that here you you want to go tag go tag your own home and it's not in so much it, 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 what happens with that, because there were often times when, uh, when there were observers uh, out there, the gang's observers were, were watching us. And uh, we, actually, I often talked to them. I'd go over, I'd see them watching, I'd go over and talk to them for a little bit. What you doing? Uh, here's who we are. Here's what we're doing. And they knew that we weren't there to disrespect them. In fact, one of them said, you know, <laughs> You guys taking uh, taking down the gang tagging that we do is that for us it's it's just the cost of doing business. Uh, we understand that that's going to happen, and you know we appreciate the fact that 
that you don't have any animus towards me personally. And uh, so even though we were about 180, 180 degrees opposite in, in many of our viewpoints, we, we were at least to de- able to develop a relationship where we could say, I would like you to allow me to do my thing here. I will not disrespect you, uh, but I would like to be able to operate here with junior hires and high schoolers without any violence, without any pushback. And we never had a problem. Now, it got to the point where I felt there were safety issues uh, that were to the degree that it was no longer, I didn't feel I could any longer really guarantee the safety of uh, the young people that were helping with us uh, with that. But the point being, we were able to find uh, a conversation. We were able to find some areas of agreement. And with the community itself, they wanted the gang tagging gone. And so there we found an area of common grace. We found a common goal that we were all interested in. And I, I believe that was the spirit of what was happening at Yale. And it was it, it's a worthy pursuit. Let's find some area where we can agree, and let's talk about that. Let's talk about some common goals, and and then we can move out from there. And and maybe then we can discuss our differences in in a, a more friendly way, in a, a more civil way, in a more respectful way. The problem that has been created in today's culture, and especially in Sacramento. Uh, within the hallowed halls of our legislature in Sacramento, and certainly within the hallowed halls of the Senate and uh, the House of Representatives, if not the White House itself, we can no longer have the, it's all one way or the other. It's black or white. I'm not talking about racial there. I'm just talking about perspectives. It's one way or the other. You're either all this or you're all that. You're either with me or you're against me. They don't want to find common ground. They just want to shut you up. They want to make sure that you don't have the platform to view uh, or to air your viewpoints. And that's what's so dangerous about today's culture. I know we call it the cancel culture, and that's probably becoming passe anyway. But the truth of the matter is it's because we have lost. In fact, we were talking to a, a former congressman the other day. Producer Mike and I were having a conversation with him, and he said, you know, back when I was in Congress, and this is uh, more than 10 years ago, if not more. Back when I was in Congress, yeah, we had differences, Republicans and Democrats, but we could find we could find some common ground. We could find some areas of agreement. We could have some uh, some civil debate. Uh, we could talk about the issues without disrespecting each other and tearing each other down. And he said, not so now. Not so now. In in fact, I, I think today for those who might have been part of uh, the legislative process in Washington, D.C. back in the 80s and uh, even into the 90s, I don't know that they'd want to go back today uh, because it is uncivil. And, and you hear these illogical statements, and it's all about suppressing the other, the other side's viewpoints. And that's contrary to our very system of free speech, the marketplace of ideas. And so I, I very much uh, appreciate what Yale was trying to do. I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how they're going to, to deal with it. If I were 
the president of Yale. I would never be. I, my synapses don't fire at that kind of rate where I could do that. But if I were the president of, if I were the president of a college or a university where protesters broke the rules and we had to shut down a, a debate because of them and, and they were giving the participants the finger and they were yelling obscenities at them and they were disruptive and not allowing the debate to go on, I'd kick them out, say, you're done. You're done. I, I would assume that at Yale Law School, when you come in or at Yale, when, when they say there are rules about debates, I would assume that that's part of an agreement that is either uh, understood, if not signed, as you come in as a student. But obviously what's happening is those students didn't care, and maybe it's because they knew that they could get away with it. This has to stop. And this comes back to the whole issue of the rule of law, coming back to why we need to be concerned about who our district attorneys are, why we need to be concerned about who our attorneys general are, why we need to be concerned about who our sheriffs are and and such, uh, those that have uh, elective office. So, so important. We'll continue the conversation in a little bit. Do you know there's a company in the Bay Area wants to know that allegedly wanted to know your IQ uh, before they hired you? <laughs> oh, boy. We'll discuss that in the ins and outs of that particular debacle coming up in about five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Our number 209-551-3483 as the Mike Douglas Show continues in five minutes. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back as we're in hour number two here on the Mike Douglas Show on this beautiful Friday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Thanks so much for sharing your afternoon with me here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been uh, talking about uh, fairness. We've been talking about college educations, what you learn and such well how does how does that uh, play out in real time well turns out an intern uh made a boo-boo uh, and that's a theological term made a big boo-boo when it came to uh, doing some uh, hr work for a uh, an investment company called soma capital in san francisco and they've uh, invested in startups uh, like a self-driving car company and a former social media app. Anyway, they were posting a job for a multi-stage investor role. So the listing asked applicants to go to a website called iqtest.com and uh, take a free test and include their scores. And the applicants were also told to take what the company said was a Myers-Briggs personality test on a website called 16personalities.com. That sounds more like a 
pathological issue to me. But anyway, and share their personality type, which includes categories such as uh, uh, introversion, extroversion, sensing, intuition, etc. So the instructions were to attach your test score and personality test results and, and attach it here as screenshots. And apparently these questions were mandatory if, if you wanted to uh, compete for the job. Well, turns out that uh, Soma Capital's managing partner, Anil Ranadive, uh, blamed the job listing on an intern. By the way, uh, or maybe it's Ranadive, it, this is the uh, uh, son, I believe, of Sacramento Kings owner Vivek Ranadive. Anyway, uh, so... <laughs> So the uh, the managing partner was totally embarrassed and said, "Whoops! That well, that was an intern that did that." Well, first he says they're in trouble. He says I take responsible for my uh, responsibility for my team. Well, good. I and I applaud him for that. Any of us that have been in charge of people in the workplace. Uh, or teams, whether it be in sports, but especially in the workplace. If you're a CEO, whatever happens with the organization, the buck does stop with you. Uh, For advancing vibrant communities, the buck stops with me. And if there's a hit to be taken, I need to take it. My way of managing is uh, I tell the, we have a very small staff, uh, but we have uh, lots and lots and lots of volunteers. And our, our, my message to them is, when you're representing me, I will stand behind you. I will empower you to represent me. And, and I choose people like that very carefully. We've had interns over the years that were wonderful. In fact, one intern uh, from the University of Phoenix stayed for uh, 11 to 12 years as uh, one of our service coordinators. Well, my message, and I pick them very carefully, I pick staff very, very carefully, and my message to them is, I empower you to represent me as president CEO and to do what you think is right under the circumstance. I will not allow you to be torn into and shredded by someone who's complaining about your decision. Now, if it wasn't a good decision, I will stand up for you and say, look, I am the head of this nonprofit, and if you feel this decision was wrong, that's my responsibility. I will accept your input on that, and that's that's my responsibility. The buck stops with me. Then I tell the employee or the staff person or the volunteer, now, I may come back to you, and we'll have a meeting, a constructive one, and say, no, how could we have done this better? How could we have made a better decision here? How could it have worked out uh, in, in, a, in a better way? And I'll talk with them privately about that, but I, I, always, I always have the backs of my people. And, uh, but I choose my people carefully. So I, uh, I, I thank and I, I uh, affirm uh, the CEO here for standing up and saying, my fault, the buck stops here, it's my issue. But apparently an intern put up that request to take the online IQ test and what the intern purported to be a Myers-Briggs test. You don't do that. Uh, you don't do that. It can violate 
uh, civil rights acts and a whole number of things. Uh, so you you don't require people to include their IQ scores in Myers-Briggs. Now, Myers-Briggs, by the way, has said that website that uh, that intern gave is, is not ours. And I, basically, you cannot get a full uh, read or a full result on any of these legitimate online tests like Myers-Briggs without putting some dough out. I mean, they're, they're not in the, they don't do this for free. They, you have to pay some money for it. And, uh, so anyway, apparently, uh, those were bogus ideas and, and they're very apologetic, uh, for it. Uh, the head of the, uh, the managing partner said he was hugely apologetic. Uh, it's not what SOMA stands for. We want mission-driven, thoughtful teammates from diverse backgrounds, and I believe that's the best way uh, through writing and, and conversations. The most legendary entrepreneurs of all time come from unexpected, unique, and diverse background. Uh, so what have you ever been asked to uh, <laughs> submit an IQ test or a personality test? As a method of being hired, is it okay to do that? Do you think it's okay to ask for a personality test or an IQ test to hire someone? Area code 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. I've never been in that situation. Now, I've been in situations, for example, when I was on a a mega church staff. I uh, what what did I take? It was the disc. Remember that D I S C. Uh, I took the disc test, and and the idea of it was that we would all learn each other's strengths and weaknesses, and and therefore be able to work together better. Uh, I never really saw that work out well. I do know it works other places. Um, in my tenure, uh, which was. Uh, quite an adventure of being a uh, pastoral mentor for couples in crisis. I used uh, I used the Myers Briggs for a while. I used another one. I wound up using a, a it's really called a a couple inventory called the Prepare Enrich, and I still hold on to my certification as a, you know, what they call a counselor, I guess, uh, for that. I have the certification to use that because. Once in a while, if I do a wedding, and I don't do weddings anymore, unless it's family or it's a close friend who's like who is like family, and it's not because I'm being contrary. I'm too busy. You know, it's, it's just that I wear so many hats that I work seven days a week, twelve to sixteen hours, and there's just I, I there's not enough of me to pour into a couple what they need to to have for premarital preparation. And I'm a signatory to the community marriage policy. By the way, that was first ruled out in Modesto back in 1986. And it was uh, and it has been for a long time a a written agreement between pastors and as attrition has occurred over the years, new pastors have come to town they may not be aware of it. But uh, in its uh, in its essence, in its heyday, it was an agreement between many of us pastors and and even uh, a rabbi originally signed on and and a priest as well. 
It was an agreement that we would not perform a wedding ceremony for a couple until they had gone through at least a rudimentary, a basic premarital program. And the reason for that is we found early on, coming out of 1986, as that program was, uh, as that agreement was was made between pastors. If if you look at the stats, uh, divorces per 100, uh, divorces per 1,000 population, the divorce rate actually dropped uh, significantly uh, during that time. I have always used it because I don't believe that uh, I can stand before God having married a couple without preparing them adequately for marriage. And the the prepare and rich is is what I use, and I found that to be a uh, almost a, a 100% accurate predictor of how that relationship is going to roll out. I have... Uh, when I was doing a lot of weddings, I would say probably 10% of the couples that uh, I mentored decided not to get married. I was thrilled with that because they didn't then have to go through the pain and, and uh, the, the anxiety and, and uh, the generational pain of, of divorce because it, it, it does, it, it causes pain and, and suffering in, in many different ways. And so if we can avoid that in the front end, that was... Uh, that's the object. So all, all to say, I have used the Myers-Briggs. It's been so long, I don't remember what my what my classification was. Uh, I tend to be introverted, believe it or not. But many of us who are in the end of entertainment industry and in the broadcast industry, believe it or not, tend to be actually introverted. Uh, in our in our private lives, you put me in a room of a hundred people. You invite my wife and I there. My wife will meet nearly all of those one hundred people, know their histories, know where they were born, know how many kids and grandkids they have, uh, know their histories, and I will have probably met and talked to maybe one or two people in the process. It's just uh, just how I am. But anyway, so the Myers Briggs a good tool, and uh, just I. I prefer the uh, prepare and rich. I, I think it's a very accurate uh, indication of how a couple is doing, using it not only for premarital, but also using it for couples to, to let them know what they might want to be working on uh, to make their marriages even, even better. All right, uh, went down a rabbit trail there, didn't I? But it was a good one, and uh, thank you for uh, allowing me to do that. We'll be back with the Mike Douglas Show as we complete our number two here in three minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local Talk is back in the Valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And back with you here on the Mike Douglas Show. Again, thanks so much for being with us here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Love having that two hours with you now, Monday through Friday, here on the Mike Douglas Show. Just appreciate that extra time. Thank you, iHeartMedia. For that added hour, uh, just uh, gives us uh, more time to look at more issues and to continue the discussions as uh, as well. By the way, heading to this weekend, uh, our, it's March Madness is upon us, isn't it? Uh, I am not, uh, 
I don't watch a lot of pro basketball on on television, uh, but I do like watching maybe the last quarter of college basketball. I love those college athletes. You know that uh, from my history. I I just love uh, football and basketball. So this weekend, if you enjoy college basketball and uh, March Madness, why stay with us. Here on uh, AM 1360 KFIV and also our sister station, Fox Sports AM 1280. There's going to be NCAA all, all weekend. And uh, so hang with us if you're out there amongst them, if you're out in your car or even casually listen, uh, encourage you to uh, uh, to uh, tune in and uh, listen to some of the basketball games. Just uh, again, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of college college sports i and i i know i I was a little bummed today about the whole thing going on in virginia uh in virginia about uh the uh transgender swimmer and all that but uh in general i think the ncaa needs to step up to the plate and uh, and make some changes there and and by the way all of you have uh, many of you who called in regarding that had some uh some great thoughts about it uh, let me just put a, <laughs> a tag. Uh, my uh, long-suffering wife uh, was listening uh, to the radio, apparently, when I talked about us going into the room and, and of 100 people. She would, know, and she would. She will meet everyone. Uh, she will, and, and she inherited this from her mother. My wife is a professional hugger, and uh, she will give everybody a hug. She'll know everything about them. And I'll be content to stay back in a corner and maybe meet one or two people and you know that's me and uh it's just but but we see we complement each other and that's uh that's a neat thing all right let's go uh let's go to the phones very quickly before we close out uh, our uh, our week here on the mike douglas show area code 209-551-3483 let's find out what uh, kathleen from modesto thinks about these yale protesters hi kathleen uh, this is Kathleen from Oakdale. Oakdale, I'm sorry. And, um, okay. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, it's good to talk with you, Mike. And um, I, the Yale protesters, I think if I were Yale, I would uh, insist that they have to take uh, past uh, management classes. They went the wrong path. They chose the wrong path. And um, especially, you know, the way Putin has chosen the wrong path for what he stipulates uh, in, that he wants for a peace uh, offer or peace treaty. Um, he went the wrong path and task for those things, and I, I think, I think ultimately a peace treaty will be signed, and it and it will, it will have those things on there. But but he didn't need to go that path that he went, and 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 the and, and nobody ever should go that path that he went. And I think that's the same way about the protesters. I wonder how much they're being influenced by. That's just uh, the power using the power to corrupt. And, um, you know, a war machine is pointed at you like that. You're just trying to corrupt people. Yeah, Kathleen, I think you bring up an interesting thought. I'm going to go back to the Yale students here for a second about some uh, remedial education. They're in a a place of education. I kind of like your idea there about saying, all right, you disrupted uh, something here that that we hold to be valuable. 
And we're here about the rule of law. That's what you're here to study. So let's go back to Bill of Rights or Constitution 101 or the Rule of Law 101, and and, uh, let's review uh, the way things are supposed to be. Kathleen, thanks so much for the call. That's a good point. Uh, I like that. Uh, Make them go to a class on why we need to allow other people to speak their piece, why the marketplace of ideas is a good thing, why we have the rule of law in the United States of America, why it's important that we allow other points of view to, uh, to enter the public square. All right, plenty of, us to, plenty of things to talk about. Again, hang with us here at KFIV AM Fox 1280 for basketball over the weekend. I'll see you on Monday. Power Talk 1360 KFIV.